1: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to video number eighty-six in audio season four, episode twenty-seven of Music Is Not a Genre. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. Don't forget you can support this podcast at Patreon.com/slash Music Is Not a Genre or Anchor.fm/slash Music Is Not a Genre, or you can go to my public hub, which is YouTube.com/slash Nick DiMatteo, and stay tuned. My website, as I mentioned uh, last week, I'll be giving you sneak peeks of my brand new podcast hub on my website, nickdomadio.com. If you go to nickdomadio.com slash podcast, you can see a preview of it. It's in the works, but there's a lot there already. Uh, Absorb it. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get to this week's topic. Super groups. How super are they? Audio Slave, Velvet Revolver, and the rest. I had a lot of fun with this one this week. I mean, I have fun with all of them every week, right? That's the job. But this week in particular, what was interesting was I I try to vary the kinds of podcasts I do. So, you know, I do Death is Dumb. I do books. I do, you know, interviews and various other sub-series and things like that. And I try to try to get back to kind of the nitty gritty, the basics of this, which is just, let's talk about uh, an album or a band or what have you. And so I made a list of a few and uh, decided whichever one kind of gripped me the most, that's the one I would go with. And it turned out to be this one. I started doing a little bit of research on supergroups and realized I have very strong opinions about that. And you're gonna hear all of them. Uh, and I have some information of, you know, the general kind of supergroup stuff, too, but it all came out of, uh, it was all inspired by, primarily, uh, you see, if, if you're watching and not listening, uh, for those of you listening, I can describe, there are four CDs in front of me, one from Audio Slave, two from Velvet Revolver, and then a fourth one, from a band called Tinted Windows, which I'll get into a little bit later. There's a reason why I included them here, but it really was inspired by the first two bands their Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver, because I had done Death is Dumb episodes on Soundgarden for Chris Cornell and Stone Temple Pilots for Scott Weiland. And even though I mentioned these bands, because if I'm going to be focusing on the lead singers, I should talk about their entire career, I had made kind of a footnote, a little earmark there and said, I'm not going to get deeply into these bands because there's something different about them and they they weren't kind of the core bands for them and uh, still wasn't sure exactly what to do with them until I started doing this supergroup research. So what I found, and you probably know this part, is that in general, the definition of a supergroup is a group made up of members from other groups that have released things, that have performed live and released things. Not just, you know, your friend was in a band in the basement and then he joined a different band in a different basement, you know. So there's at least that kind of slight, very slight criteria. The thing is, that doesn't satisfy me. That didn't work for me because by that definition, there are hundreds if not thousands of supergroups out there and I don't think that's true so I decided to take it two steps further step one and you can read a lot of this in the text below I don't often refer to the text this much but I want to this time step one we can have lots of fun Uh, the groups or solo careers these people came from needed to have been famous on their own So the the origin groups or origin careers, they had to have been known somehow. Step two, the new group has to have had some measure of success. So in short, the the definition that I give for supergroup is a famous new group formed by members of famous old groups, which includes also solo careers. So that means that there are a bunch of categories that no longer apply. That according to the interwebs and, you know, Wikipedia and some other places that I looked, there are lists and lists of supergroups and so many of them I hadn't heard of. And yes, okay, a caveat there, which is, if you're not into a certain type of music, there's a chance that you haven't heard of of certain bands in that type of music, in that, you know, loose genre group, and so, I can't be the final judge of that because as much as I might know, I don't know nearly everything. And so there might've been bans on these lists that I dismissed too quickly because I didn't know. But on the whole, if there was something I hadn't heard of, I did a little research anyway to determine whether or not they kind of qualified. And so these are the disqualifications from these groups. So first of all, uh, groups... Who in supergroups whose members were in groups no one has heard of. And I found a couple of these on uh, websites and on the lists, The one of which uh, was a little timely because I just recently did uh, an audition for uh, the Jersey Boys, and that's all about Frankie Valli, The Four Seasons. And so that band has been in my head for the last month or so, somehow I ended up on this super group list. Now, when I had uh, done the audition, I took a dive and learned more about them and discovered that their career was a lot longer than I realized, uh, which is often true for bands and solo artists, and that they had been in other groups before. But here's the thing, can any of you name any of the other groups that any member of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons were in before they formed Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Time's up. Me neither. I can't even remember what I read. I read a list and I read it twice, actually, Santa, and I have no memory of what those were. So to me, again, if you haven't heard of the person or the group prior to them forming this new group, then that doesn't count to me. That's not a super group. Uh, another qual- disqualification, new groups, almost no one has heard of or remembers. And of course, almost, because someone's, there's someone out there who's heard every group someone's heard of, somewhere. And here's an example. You know, if you know a fair amount about music, you've probably heard of at least two out of these three bands, Filter, Nine Inch Nails, Stone Temple Pilots fairly good careers, all of them, uh, some bigger than others. But does anyone, pun intended, remember Army of Anyone? And I will say this, when I was doing my Stone Temple Pilots chronography, I went through all of Scott Weiland's solo career and I went through um, the DeLeo brothers offshoots and things like that, of which Army of Anyone is, is one of those, I believe and good music fun you know great but it, you know if most people haven't heard of them or don't remember them then to me that's that's really shaky ground as far as calling them a supergroup another disqualification glorified solo projects is what i call them so people mostly from one band with some side people from other lesser known bands a good example uh, late 80s there was a group GTR that had a couple of minor hits they were from other kind of uh progressive rock and metal bands uh but okay right but most the most of that was from you know one band a perfect circle which is i believe i want to say that's from the the members of tool i and and again I'm not sure where anybody else came from. That's one reason why I disqualify them. And then Zwan, which was Billy Corgan's, you know, offshoot band from Smashing Pumpkins. Doesn't quite work. Not sure why they were on this list. Uh, Another disqualification, established bands that had another famous person join in for a while. So, so many examples of these. And no, they're not supergroups. And and let me make a, a, you know statement here by saying I'm not passing judgment on any of the music of any of these the music uh, everyone has their tastes and everyone has their every band and artist has their fans and this music is minimum good if not great in many cases so it's not about the music it's just about honestly the definition of what a supergroup is and so an example of these established bands that had somebody join in Red Hot Chili Peppers have had many more than one lead guitarist. And one of those was Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction. Okay. And I actually loved the album that he did with them. It's one of my favorite uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers albums. But so that doesn't make that a super group. Um, when, when uh, coincidentally, John who who is back with Chili Peppers, joined in with Mars Volta, who had members from at the drive-in, yeah, it doesn't make them a supergroup, sorry. That makes them Mars Volta with John Frusciante sitting in as a guitarist. Uh, and it, oh, this one almost, almost made me jump out of my seat when I read it as far as defining what a supergroup is when Paul Rogers from Bad Company and Free, and I'm going to mention him again or those bands again later, became for a while the lead singer of Queen. That doesn't make it a supergroup, I'm sure it was awesome in many ways. Paul Rogers has an amazing voice and Queen's a great band. Brian May is a great, great guy. Uh, but that doesn't, no, that that was, again, somebody sitting in for a while. Doesn't make him a super group. Uh, another one, Glorified Solo Projects. One famous musician forming a band with a bunch of non-famous people like uh, Wings, you know, is a, is a good example. I'm sure there are a ton of others, other examples. I put this on here just to make sure we're clear. This, these, though, bands like that have not tended to show up on supergroup lists. But if you're someone who knows so much more about, you know, you know, lesser known musicians than I do even, and you knew that like, I don't know, Denny Lane came from some other band, or I, I can't even remember the other members of Wings, then you might think, oh, that's a super group. I don't think that qualifies. And then finally, uh, personal favorites. And this is the kind of one where everybody's list is different, so stuff can be swapped out very easily. But what I define this as a new group of famous musicians that you wish everyone else knew, but they never quite got there. Uh, And a great example, a great example for me is one that I saw on a list of supergroups that I initially included in my list that qualified, but I had to I had to be honest about it and realize it was wishful thinking, and it's a band called Tinted Windows. No, you haven't heard of them. Yes, that's right. And if you have, awesome. That's great. Talk to me about it in the comments. Tinted Windows put out a single album in 2009. They were formed by four quite famous people, Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne, Taylor Hansen of Hansen, James Eha of Smashing Pumpkins, and Bun E. Carlos from Cheap Trick. Four very famous bands in their own ways came together to make some pretty cool power pop, didn't go anywhere. So as much as I'd like to include them on a supergroup list, uh it's that's that's shady to me. It's shaky ground yet again. Uh, now that we have established this very, you know, strict classification of what makes a supergroup or not, I'm going to read you a truncated list and a uh, the, the, my list of as many as I could find. I'm sure it's not comprehensive, but it's pretty darn close of who I consider to be supergroups. So 1968, Crosby Stills Nash and Young. Those people, a great band, came from the Birds, Buffalo, Springfield, and the Hollies. 1969, Blind Faith, who was successful. Uh, I couldn't honestly name a song, maybe I could if I heard it. The Yardbirds, Cream, Traffic, and the Spencer Davis Group. I mean, the last two was the same guy, but still famous bands. 1973, Bad Company, Paul Rogers came from Free, Mata Hoople and King Crimson, all of whom had successful careers. You skip all the way to 1982 and you have Asia, which I'll be reviewing a book uh, maybe before the end of this season that a friend of mine wrote on the, the career of Asia. Very comprehensive. Though that was deliberately formed as a supergroup and those people came from King Crimson, Uriah Heep, Yes, the Buggles, Emerson Lake, and Palmer, all... Fairly well known in their own ways. Nineteen eighty-four, the power station, which I actually liked. The the big, yeah, I think they did a, I think they did the cover of Bang a Gong, Get It On, or whatever, which I really liked even better than the original. They came from Chic, Duran Duran, and then Robert Palmer's solo career, very successful solo career before then. Nineteen eighty-eight, traveling Wilburys, the Beatles, ELO. And then you had Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and Roy Orbison, who were every single one of those people in that band. Uh, I mean, Jeff Lynne being the slightly weaker link, but still qualifies, was just super well-known and super successful. And I'm gonna go on record as saying that the Traveling Wilburys were the superest supergroup ever. Dispute me, please. Uh, or agree with me. 1989 was the first time that Ringo Starr formed an all-star band. And every in a year or so, a couple of years, he will swap out musicians. But he has criteria, which is each member of the band has, has to have had two hits on their own or from their other band. So he's sort of laying the groundwork here of saying, like, we we are an all-star band, another way of saying a supergroup. You have to have, uh, you know, some kind of enough of a pass and a history to qualify. Makes sense to me. 1990, Temple of the Dog. Members of Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Mother Lovebone, and Green River. I put them on there. But I'm still not sure. And it's tricky, and I'll tell you why. When their, their songs were released, not much happened. Then those bands... Well, the the two bands, the first two bands, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam in particular, became very famous. And the songs were re-released. I'm Going Hungry or, you know, Hunger Strike, that's called, became a big hit. So the timing is weird on that. The timeline is such that these were members coming together to pay tribute to a guy who had died and, you know, did an album, which was kick-ass. But at the time they weren't exactly famous then they became famous some of them then temple of the dog you know retroactively became famous i it's it's a little bit of a twist and turn here i'm going to keep them on the list but that's a tricky one 1994 foo fighters you know you want to say no they're just foo fighters and it's 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 you know dave grohl's next band from nirvana but if you realize that Pat Smear, who was also in Nirvana in latter years, was from the band The Germs, seminal punk band. And then you had members of Sunny Day Real Estate, uh, and uh, you know, a proto emo band that hates being called emo. Uh, then they're supergroup by by every definition. They are a supergroup, and they're I liken them, Foo Fighters, to Bad Company. I'll explain why after this list. And then of course, boom, 2001, Audio Slave, coming from Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine. Uh, The following year, Velvet Revolver, Stone Temple Pilots, Guns N' Roses, absolutely supergroups. 2004, a band called Mad Villain, made by uh, MF Doom and Mad Lib, who had very successful solo careers. Their album, Mad Villainy, which has been on a lot of best ever lists, is is often considered their best work uh in you know any group that they were in or solo 2006 uh danger doom it was this is sort of a footnote to the one before because it also includes mf doom but it also includes danger mouse and he'll pop up again uh, a little later on this list I put them on there as a footnote, not necessarily because they qualify because who the hell remembers Danger Doom? Uh, 2009 Them Crooked Vultures. If you are into that kind of power rock, then you know this band and you probably enjoy what they put out. Members of Nirvana, Foo Fighter, Dave Grohl, of course, Led Zeppelin, John Paul Jones, and Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Homme. So that's a super group. 2010 Broken Bells, I once had a CD by them, I gave it up because uh, it didn't really captivate me. But that is also Danger Doom, I'm sorry, Danger Mouse. I put Danger Doom, and I have to correct this. Danger Mouse, and James Mercer of the Shins, and Narls Barkley. So you have, you know, Pedigree there, they did actually have some songs that, you know, were minor hits, so they're on this list. 2013, Run the Jewels. I think they've done, what, three albums since then? and The album they put out last year, is it four? LP and Killer Mike, who had successful solo careers before they formed Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels is just acclaimed all the way up and down, and their last album just blew me away. 2015, Hollywood Vampires. I put this band on here because... It is a band that was formed to raise money for charity, but also because uh, it consists of Alice Cooper, Joe Perry and Johnny Depp. And then like a couple dozen guest artists over the years. They're primarily a live band. I'm not even sure they've recorded anything. I don't honestly know much about them other than that they exist and these are the people in them. But that's a that's a super group, you know, because they have a name. Uh, People have heard of them. 2019, the High Women, Brandy Carlisle, Amanda Shires, Marin Morris, and Natalie Hemby. Uh, I know some of Brandy Carlisle's work. I have heard of some of the stuff that other people have done, but I don't know a lot about uh, country music. But clearly, this is a super group, very clearly. Uh, they got a lot of press when they got together, and they all had successful careers before then. And then 2021... Baby, Silk Sonic, you know, started out as a bit of a, a, a joke with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack just, you know, with that type of kind of retro, you're not sure if they're joking or not, knocked it out of the park in, in, in many ways. And yeah, then they had hits and they certainly had them before. So yeah, that's a super group. Like I said, I know I've missed some, you know. Uh, now, here's a question that everyone I think, asks at some point when you're when you're talking about a supergroup, which is, is the new music better than the old music? You know, is the supergroup music better than the origin bands or solo career music? And I'm going to throw these down. In a few cases, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Bad Company, Foo Fighters, Mad Villain, Run the Jewels. I'm going to go on record as saying, yes, That the music that all of them created on the whole is better even than where they came from and let me state where all of them came from was already pretty awesome so it's not that i'm saying oh that was subpar and then they came together and it was magic i'm just saying it was even better than that because you can't you know when you're talking about i mean the hollies such an awesome band and buffalo springfield and the birds you know, uh, and certainly Nirvana and The Germs and Sunny Day Real Estate and Free and Mata Hoople and King Crimson. Like, these are all the bands and all, you know, the solo careers of the people in Mad Villain and Run the Jewels. All amazing music already, but they came together and made even better music. Their music can stand alone, even if their origin, uh, you know, mm-hmm. careers didn't exist, which I think is what truly makes a supergroup super. There's super groups, but then there's super, super groups. These are the super, super groups. And I will include Traveling Wilburys on that, not because their music was markedly better than where they came, because how could you top pretty much any of the stuff that they did before then? But because, again, member-wise and then their success before and during, you know, I don't think can be matched in a lot of ways. But the answer to this question is that is the supergroup music usually better than the previous music? Pretty much almost always no, other than those exceptions. And uh, I would say no. I would say even in the case of Traveling Wilburys, I love that music. I don't know that it's better than The Beatles or Dylan or, or, you know, on and on and on. Them Crooked Vultures music is great, but it's not better than, you know, Foo Fighters and Nirvana and Queens of the Stone Age. And Broken Bell's certainly not better for Danger Mouse of so The Shins. I used to really, really love The Shins. And or Hollywood vampires, and to get to this week's, you know, uh, inspirations here, definitely not Audio Slave or Velvet Revolver. I have listened to every single album from Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver, and and the and the careers of the people involved in their origin bands, every album of those, and I can say for sure two things: they were great bands who created some damn good, if not in many cases, great music. But they were not better than Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots. And I want somebody who's a huge fan of these bands to tell me to go to hell and and, and why you think they were better, you know? Um, I mean, if you were somebody who was a, let's say a Rage Against the Machine fan, because I'm coming at it from the Soundgarden side and you were like, oh my God, the power Chris Cornell added just took them to another level. And I think on their 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 middle album in particular, Out of Exile, and I think their last album, I think that's the case. Although I only have their first album and that song, uh, we'll talk about that later, uh, then I understand that. Or if you or Guns, and I think Guns, and the Velvet Revolver's hard because a lot of people, they were sort of a, not a joke, but a lot of people joked about them when they came out because, you know, at the time this was still during that extremely long period where they were like, "Is Guns N' Roses ever going to get back together?" You know, and to have somebody like Wyland, whose voice I absolutely love, front essentially a, a band who used to have Axl Rose as the lead singer, was a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow, and yet. I actually really, I have both Velvet Revolver albums because I loved what they did. Um, But again, they did not eclipse their, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Guns N' Roses. They didn't eclipse those bands. You know, at the same time, songs like, you know, Cochise and Show Me How to Live from Audio Slave and The Last Fight and Fall to Pieces from Velvet Revolver are excellent songs. And those are just a few. Those are the ones that I remember and that I I think I like the best. But there are so many more that I've absolutely enjoyed. You know, uh, quick rundown while I'm here. Audio Slave released three albums, uh, their eponymous album with those songs I mentioned before, as well as Like a Stone. Show Me How to Live is awesome because it sounds very introspective. And I think subtextually it is. But it was really written about Frankenstein's monster. And I learned that when I went through the chronography. And that's it just plus it just kicks ass. Uh, 2005, Out of Exile, where they kind of define their sound more apart from their origin bands. And 2006, Revelations, which was fraught because they were pretty much in the process of breaking up, you know, prior to. Soundgarden reforming, et cetera, et cetera. Velvet Revolver released two albums Contraband in 2004, Boom Right Here with the song Fall to Pieces, my favorite from that, and 2007's Libertad. The Last Fight, I think, is a song that can stand up with, you know, in its own way with any Stone Temple Pilots song, even though I still prefer Stone Temple Pilots. And the other thing those bands share is that they ultimately had Brendan O'Brien step in as their producer. And he is one of my all-time favorite producers of any kind of music and was seminal to 1990s rock. But it was always funny to me, especially back then. But even now, when I listen to something and say, oh man, I really like that and read into it more and find out that Brendan O'Brien was the producer. Um, Just awesome at what he does. And like I said, it's awesome that all these bands existed. You know, and and they all have their fans. And I think the fact that there are some fans who like these supergroups better than the Arjun Bands is actually kind of awesome, too. And let's keep in mind, too, that in some cases, these uh, supergroups were formed years after the members started their careers and so let's just say for example that you were in your teens or 20s and you know Soundgarden or Rage you know was a band you were into and then Audio Slave comes you might be like okay what are they doing but let's say you're in your teens and 20s and Audio Slave is in a sense the first time you heard those musicians then that might be why you're a bigger fan of that band than of their origin bands. And hopefully it got you to listen to the other music too, but that's, you know, timing is everything. Um, I love that. And I love that there's that diversity of uh, taste, and that, you know, everybody has fans, uh, including Rec. As you know, at the end of every podcast, they, you know, go over some of my music I was in several bands before Wreck and I'm sure you've heard of all of them. Ape Cafe, The E-Bus. Um, man, I honestly forget a lot of the others. And, uh, you know, members of Rec were in other bands such as The Invisible Kid et al. And the thing is, what's the truth there, right? None of those bands were famous yet. And Wreck... It does not, you know, qualify as being a hitmaker yet. So no, uh, I'm not putting Wreck on this. I have to be. If I'm going to be strict, I've got to be strict all the way up and down. I can't make a. I can't make an exception. Not to mention, there's there's actually no <laughs> criteria under which Wreck will be considered a supergroup. Um, that said, I'm going to share a song at the end of this podcast and the link that I think. Shows that, yeah, I was listening to Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver in particular, uh, and the bands that came before them, and absorbed that and wanted to create something that, as I always say, is an amalgam, you know. And it's the opening track on Rex's album Parts and Labor called I'm Gone. And I think you will hear the kind of kinship. Between you know, I'm Gone and Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver, there's a hard hittingness to it, uh, especially when it comes to the guitars and the drums. But even the certain way that I sing, I would say it's it's more leaning towards Wyland because there's I don't think in any world where I w- will be a Chris Cornell, and that's fine, uh, you know, uh, even though I. Did cover uh, Fellow in Black Days for an acoustic show. I think I've said this before that Wyland's voice and mine are much more similar because they're malleable in certain ways and we have a very similar range. And uh, you may or may not hear that in the song. I'm gone, and thanks for sticking around and listening to it. Do you remember these bands, Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver? Do you remember Tinted Windows? Do you remember any of the bands on the list? Uh, are there bands that I missed that should be on this list? you're like, how could I not put them on this stricter you know version of a supergroup list? Tell me because I'll add them to the list for posterity. Sure. Or did I misjudge? you know, uh, certain bands in either direction? Do you think uh, that I was too harsh on Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons? Do you think that there are bands that are on my list such as, I don't know, let's say them Crooked Vultures where you're like, no, you're really stretching it there, buddy. You know, I, I want to know your opinion of any single band or this entire idea of supergroups because as always, my objectives here are uh, music, conversation, and connection. Thank you for listening and watching and I will talk to you next week.